Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What is going on? This is the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Glad to have you along as it looks like we are finally ready for the NBA's return. And to celebrate, we'll have Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film on the podcast. We'll talk about the Clippers' chances in Orlando, what basketball is going to be like there as the Clippers try to hashtag win the wait. Four and a half months Without having played basketball, what will the teams be like in Orlando? Will they be rusty? Will the eight games help these teams? How many back-to-backs are we going to see? How many games will we see Kawhi and Paul George play? What will it be like to face off against a team like the Lakers with no fans? It's going to be interesting, no doubt about that. We'll talk to Justin because I know he's got some opinions on what it's going to be like in Orlando and what will be a very strange atmosphere, no doubt about that, with basketball being back and no fans being there and testing being done every single night. No family members are being allowed until the second round, supposedly. So what is it going to be like in Orlando and what are our thoughts on the situation. We'll break it all down with Justin in just a couple of moments. But I do want to discuss something that's been going on in the news, and that is the Black Lives Matter movement that has swept the nation over the last week and a half or so, and I think has brought about change in a good way. We're not seeing a ton of actual change quite yet. Slowly but surely we are. But we're having a discussion about something that has plagued our nation for a very long time. And it's something that I know is omnipresent in the NBA world. And it is worth just discussing and listening. And I am somebody that is a white male, born and raised in Los Angeles, went to private school where I was not around very many African-American males or females. And you go to college and obviously you're around more and you get to listen and hear about the experiences, but you're fully not understanding what someone has gone through that is not the same skin color as you. And for me, this has been an eye-opening moment for sure to be able to see what's going on throughout our world, but more importantly, listen to the stories and what can make me wiser, more knowledgeable, and how I can help 
to try and make sure that we're all on equal footing. So I think it is worth just discussing and bringing up that, yes, basketball is back. We are excited about that. And frankly, you are not coming to this podcast to hear us discuss this for a full 30 minutes. But I did want to bring it up because it is something that's incredibly important. And especially when you compare it with the NBA and how it relates to the NBA, I think it is important to bring up because this is an issue that's been around for a while and not enough has been done at this point. And looking forward to seeing what changes will occur over the next several months and years as we go forward. But how about we talk some Clippers basketball? Because I know Justin Wilson is a guy that's excited to talk Clippers basketball and I'm excited to have him on. So let's go ahead and let's chat with him. Man, it's been a long time. I don't know why we did this, Justin. I think we waited like three or four months between appearances. I had you on, I think, three times in like the first couple of months. And then we waited too long. I missed you. But finally, you're back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Justin, what's up, man? How are you doing? Long time, long time. It's always good to make them wait, you know? Yeah. And um, we're, we're back. We've got some things to talk about. Some Clipper basketball is back on the horizon. And things are looking up, hopefully, at least when it comes to basketball. Yeah, so I'm no, glad to be back. No doubt about that. Glad to have you be back. Uh, it was great to see that everybody finally came together on both the owner side, the player side to make this work. It seemed like there was some movement in the last couple of weeks. And then finally, it came to fruition with this big plan to bring 22 teams to Orlando. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I do want to get your thoughts, Justin, on what has been going on over the last week and a half. I know it's something that hits home for you. And is something that I would love to just get your point of view and your feelings about what the last week and a half has meant to you. Uh, this last week and a half, honestly, has been tough. It's been emotionally draining. You know what I mean? As a as a young black man who's been stopped multiple times by white police officers for literally no no reason other than the color of my skin, these situations always hit home. So it's been definitely emotional for me. I was out there on Saturday a little bit on Fairfax, uh, protesting, giving my giving my voice. Um, but it's been tough. It's been tough, and it's kind of glad. It's kind of good to see that the entire world really has um, has bonded together in an effort to try and eliminate um, police brutality. It's something that, I mean, it, it hits very close to home, man. It yeah. hits very close to home. And I'm glad that there is at least some unison in that change needs to be done. There's necessary change that needs to um, occur. So, I mean, I, I know that for me personally, it's been tough, but I find a little bit of solace in the fact that everyone seemingly is on the right side of history with this. So I've been, um, I've been happy to see that. Yeah. And I can't even imagine your feelings when you saw the George Floyd video. And frankly, there's many, many more that have occurred. And, you know, Maude Arbery, if there's no video of that, then it's very possible that those two guys, maybe three guys, depending on who was involved, get off the hook without getting in trouble for it. And so, you know, that's been happening time and time again over the last decades um and so finally we're at a time where it seems like not everybody's on the same page but a lot of people are on the same page and people are listening 
and they're voicing their concern and an issue that has been a problem for a long time is at the forefront. So I think that's got to be at least comforting, right, in the fact that the issue of racism and, like you said, police brutality, these are things that were swept underneath the rug, but now they're out in the open. And that's got to be something that hopefully will help us and guide us over the next couple of decades to come. Yeah, I, I that's well said, well said. And um, for me, it's also a feeling of kind of dejection a little bit, hmm. just because it's 2020 and we still have to try and sell the idea to grown men that unarmed black men and black women for that matter as well aren't dangerous and aren't threatening right like these are not children these are grown adult police officers who we still have to convince that hey just because of the color of our skin that doesn't mean we're threatening we don't even have any weapons on us so that part is kind of dejecting but you know it is what it is um I'm a little skeptical as far as where this goes, just because of how deep rooted racism is within our country. Mm -hmm. But I am hopeful that maybe this will be the change necessary that makes mass reform and mass police reform possible because anything short of that and we'll be in the same position within the next couple of years. So it's kind of discouraging that we have to do this. But again, maybe this would be the straw that broke the camel's back, and I'm hopeful that a change is to come. Yeah, and you look at the NBA, and you see guys like LeBron James, and when you see the NBA and you see LeBron James, he really is the face right now of the league and someone that's standing up for everything that you just mentioned. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get to Orlando and whether any messages continue to be spread, because it's foolish to say that a statement is going to change things. I mean, a statement by a company to say Black Lives Matter, that's very different than action. And so actions always speak louder than words. But I think we need to continue right, the conversation. Right. And when we go to Orlando, it'll be interesting to see if those guys continue to have that conversation in what will be a very awkward environment of having no fans there. And all eyes on them. But the fact that all eyes are on them means there's a chance to have their voices heard even more. So that's something that I think could be a good thing going forward. I'm not sure if you think that could be advantageous for the movement if these guys have all eyes on them. No, I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Um, given the fact that the NBA is has had such a long layoff, and given the fact that it is the summertime, um, especially initially when the NBA first comes back at the end of July, um, all eyes are going to be directly on the NBA. The, if you, I mean, we all know that literally the entire world stopped when Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. So the power of the NBA is great. And if, if they have that opportunity, I, I hope they take full advantage of it because all eyes are going to be on them. And it's a great platform to spread even more awareness and to continue to push that conversation along. So I mean, I didn't even think of it until you brought it up, but that's a great platform. 
for him. And honestly, I'm looking forward to what guys like LeBron and CP3 and the rest of the players have in mind. Um, I'm hopeful that they do things that push the conversation forward. Yeah, no doubt about that. And we'll see what happens. In about, I don't know, a month and a half or so, we'll uh, finally get the NBA back. So let's go ahead. Let's talk NBA basketball, man. We are finally going to see if the Los Angeles Clippers can grab that NBA title, asterisk or not. An NBA title coming to L.A. would just be something else, man. Your initial thoughts on 22 teams being in Orlando, having these eight regular season games. We'll go detail by detail later and talk about each thing that's going to happen, but your initial thoughts of everything overall. Um, my initial thoughts was yay, because <laughs> I'm an NBA fan at, at, at the core, so I was happy to see that the NBA is coming back. Um, I thought 22 teams was a bit too much, given the fact that we're trying to have the least amount of teams possible for safety reasons, and it's kind of, of a weird thing as far as, like, how are we going to guarantee safety of all of the players? Because it's obviously priority number one. Um, so it's kind of weird to be playing basketball and miss all of this, but I love it and I'll be watching. And yeah, my, my first initial thought was I was just happy to see the Clippers finish the season. Out. Um, they definitely have a real chance at winning the championship. So I was just happy that we'll get some sort of closure that of, of this season and hopefully it ends with a ring and I wanted to say June but hopefully it ends in a ring in like October which sounds weird as hell to say <laughs> yeah who would have thought man right and then uh we may have riots of another variety because everyone talks about rioting and looters and stuff like that and then all of a sudden you see an NBA title get won and that's all that happens in the cities you have the stuff that you have people climbing on top of cars and doing stuff and greasing up light poles. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens in LA if they were to win, re- win the title. I remember as a, as a child, when the Lakers won in 2000, yeah. the entire city was set ablaze. Yeah. And um, my parents were running around and I was right there with them. I was like, what is going on? Did something happen? And she's like, no, everybody's just happy. So, from one riot to another, but for different reasons, obviously. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's talk about the eight games first because I want to give you my opinion. I think that the NBA nailed this one on the head with uh, the eight games to start because I was talking to Brian Seaman in our last podcast, and I said you just can't go straight to the playoffs. You can't end the season now and go straight to the playoffs. And there's one main reason because playoff mentality – is very different than regular season mentality. And you can't just jump in to that playoff mentality. So you need to have those eight games to get your mental state ready to go for the playoffs. And also, which is probably just as important, fitness-wise, these guys in the playoffs end up playing close to 38 to 40 minutes a game. You don't see the bench as often. You'll see the bench probably for about six minutes or so in the first half, and then maybe three to six minutes in the second half. So you don't see the bench for as long in the playoffs. And it's important to get these guys stamina correct before we actually get to the playoffs. So I like the eight games. What's your take on the eight games, even though everyone's not going to end with the same amount of games played, which is something that's completely different for the Clippers right now. They're a game and a half up. I believe it is on, on Denver 
and people could say, well, that it's not fair that they have that half a game on Denver. Well, Denver actually had one more game to play, so it could have been one game if they wouldn't have lost that game. So, nonetheless, what's your take on the eight games? Um, for one, I'm in complete agreement with you on that. For me, for me, I felt like this season was almost a lost cause. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to start it, I, I thought they were just going to go top 16 and just go straight into the playoffs. In a perfect world, I would have wanted a, some warm-up games because, as you mentioned, the playoffs are a different animal. So I'm glad. I'm, it, I'm actually ecstatic that they have eight games plus the exhibition games, the three exhibition games that I saw. So all in total, they have 11 tune-up games before they get into the playoffs. And one of the things that I was speaking with, with a friend about was that, you know, this, it may feel like the preseason because of the long layoff, but this is not the preseason. They are jumping back into the regular season and they, and they're gearing up for the playoffs. So you're going to see guys like Kawhi and PG having to play extended minutes. And so you want to be able to have at least a few games for them to get revved up and get back to the level that they were at when the season first got suspended. And the, the injury thing is just something that's completely unavoidable. It's very real. Um, it, it's downright dangerous to jump straight into the playoffs of playoff intensity, playoff minutes, playoff wear and tear after a five-month layoff. That, that's borderline malpractice and irresponsible to me. Mm-hmm. But I felt like because of the conditions, that's where they were going to go. So I'm glad to see that I was wrong on that. And I think that only helps the Clippers as they have a five-month layoff they're getting healthy and they'll have some games to get some really good reps in before the playoffs begin. One thing you've been tweeting about, Justin, is that people forget how good the Clippers were before this yes. break started. Yes. I mean, frustrating. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I forgot Reggie Jackson was on the Clippers. I mean, it, it just got to that point where it's been so long that we haven't seen the Clippers play that Reggie Jackson was such an important part of that second unit, taking Lou off the ball and allowing Lou to spread the floor, and Lou got so much better when Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams were clicking at the same moment. So the question here is, how good is this team? Because they were pretty good before we before we ended this. I think they were 7-1 and one in their last eight games. How good are they? Yes. I, man, that's, uh, at the risk of sounding biased, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that I'm a Clipper guy, Clipper homer, but if you were paying, if anybody was paying attention to the way the Clippers finished the season, um, even with, even with Morris not shooting the ball well, he, Reggie Jackson, uh, we didn't see Joe Kim Noah, but that six fouls that they can use at a given point, maybe in a playoff game. Um, I just felt like they were trending in the right direction. They were blowing the hell out of playoff teams. And one, that's one of the things that I'm constantly trying to remind NBA people is that, you know, this Clipper team is for real. They were becoming the team that everybody pegged them at in the preseason. And the fact that they sit second in the conference, despite the fact that Kawhi and PG have missed so much time, 
to me, I, I said it before, but it speaks volumes to how good they really are. And I'm glad you brought up Reggie Jackson because that deal was a true game changer. And I like to always mention that those minutes were going to Terrence Mann and Rodney Magruder before the, and Derek Walton Jr. before Reggie Jackson came along. So he was a massive, massive upgrade. And he's so complimentary to Lou Will offensively. And they just took off the moment they, the moment they got on the floor together. And I'm really anxious to see what, um, what Reggie Jackson's baseline in, ends up being because I don't think he's quite as impactful as he showed the last 10 games, but he's definitely a really good backup guard that the Clippers definitely could use. And he's a move that could potentially put them over the top as, as bad as, as bad as that sentence sounds. But Reggie Jackson is very, very good. He's very good. And I was someone that liked the move from jump. A lot of people didn't, but so far so good. We'll see how it goes in the playoffs, but he's been he's been he's been spectacular in his time with the Clippers. That's one of the things that was really sad about the virus kind of hitting the league because Reggie Jackson and that second unit were like just taking off. It'll be interesting to see how Kawhi does to start things off because he came out a little rusty. Uh, he's still incredible, but he came out a little rusty to start the season, and he didn't have Paul George with him. So the eight games, I think, will be important for those two guys to get back on the same page. But the Clippers have talked about winning the weight. It's hashtag win the weight. And what do you think that means? What's your point of view of win the weight and what this team has done to prepare themselves for this moment? Um, my, my idea of win the weight is just taking care of yourself during this extended absence um it's with with everyone having to stay at home um with everyone ordering in for food and things like that with no one really really watching you it's very easy to get out of shape Mm -hmm. and it's and as doc has said plenty of times in several interviews it's very easy to blame the virus for um the reason why you come back out of shape and the reason why you don't win the championship but everybody has those same things in place. Everybody has those same dilemmas. So by winning the weight, you're making sure that if and when, and I think there was no doubt personally that the NBA was going to come back at some point this, this season, um, winning the weight to me meant making sure you're in shape for when, when that phone rings and you have to show up back to Plant Vista, making sure that you are in shape and ready to go. So that there is no, I wasn't in shape and the coronavirus made me fat or anything like that. Making sure you're staying as close to tip top shape as possible. So when a ball is rolling, you don't need as much, much time to get, get yourself going. And that's what that meant to me. Um, I'm curious to know what that meant to you though. That's a good point, man. I really think that we're going to find out what organizations are the best organizations and how they take care of their players and how they uh, prepare their players because this has been a long layoff, like you said, four and a half months. And I do agree with you that winning the weight means still studying film. It means still preparing your body. It means being ready to play right when this ends and not giving excuses. And for Doc Rivers, 
in the past, they've been able to give excuses, whether it was Donald Sterling in the series against the Warriors, whether it was an injury to Chris Paul, whether it was an injury to Blake Griffin. They've had lots of reasons to give excuses, but this can't be an excuse. And I think that's what Doc Rivers is saying is no excuses. Everybody is having to deal with the same thing. We better come out with it, with come out and win the weight and be the reason why we win is because we are ready to play from the jump. That's one thing I think is going to be really important to see is how the Clippers respond right away. And frankly, with the way they have trained, with the way they are coached, with the ownership in Steve Ballmer, I think they're ready to go. So it'll definitely be interesting to see that. Now, I want to transition, man. Do, wait, go ahead, because I know you wanted to respond. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna piggyback on you really quickly. Um just especially with what you said about ownership, um, there are that you don't want to use the coronavirus as an excuse. Um, ownership paid big money to make sure that every player on the team had at least some sort of equipment to aid in staying in shape. Yeah, um, they've been doing Zoom call meetings daily, making sure that they're staying in shape. Um, Kawhi has been checking in with everyone on the team, making sure that they're staying in shape. Um, so I don't think being in shape will be a problem based on everything we've read and heard. So, I mean, I think they are taking the right approach towards winning the weight. Yeah, man. And don't forget, the Clippers were not good in the preseason. Not good at all. So I think it's important. To, <laughs> I think it's important to have those three games to start. That'll be scrimmages, and then those eight regular season games before we get to the playoffs. So it gets a chance to get Kawhi back in shape. I mean, or get ready, get him ready to go and playing. Because I know that will be interesting to see, man. Is whether the layoff helps or hurts these guys, because you like to see Kawhi at full strength and same with Paul George, but you also wonder whether. It'll possibly be one of those, I'm a little raw to start because I haven't had these muscles moving like I did for several months on end. You played basketball. Is it better off to have that long layoff to get recharged or is it better off to just be in that mode where your body's trained to go every other night? I um, I, I would I would say that it's, better to be in that mode mm -hmm. just because in this situation they are jumping pretty closely into serious basketball almost immediately they have some ex they have like two or three exhibition games but then they're jumping right into essentially the end of the season where you're gonna have to i mean it doesn't mean as much because there's no home court but you're still going to be fighting for seating there's a lot to be figured out in on that regard so having to jump right into serious basketball after a four-and-a-half-month layoff is 100% not ideal. And it's, it's honestly kind of scary, but I'm glad that there, there's at least some form of a training camp. There's at least some form of an exhibition. And I'm kind of curious to see how the Clippers are going to attack those eight games, given the fact that home court isn't something that they – they even care for you know what I mean yes so, exactly I mean the Lakers Clippers series that's clearly going to benefit the Lakers even if it's a Clippers home game it'll probably be louder with Clipper with Lakers fans so I think it does actually benefit the Clippers in that regard to have this no home court advantage right and 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 I, I somewhat agree with that I think the Clippers home court in the playoffs to be fair is incredibly criminally underrated mm-hmm 
I was I was there for the Spurs series. I was there for Game Four against Oklahoma City. Um, it's it it gets it gets pretty crazy in Staples, man. Um, but obviously, it's a different animal if you're playing the Lakers in a playoff series. So, to your point, the fact that that's going to be played on a neutral floor is truly, truly, truly a blessing. For more, I'm, and we can get into this if you want in an eventual Laker Clippers series. But them playing on a neutral floor is an advantage that the Clippers have, even beyond the home court and the crowd. But yeah, why do you say that? Um. Honestly, so I, in my opinion, the Lakers have a lot more, and I, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way because the Lakers have had a fantastic season, but they have a lot that they're, they're more dependent on role players, i.e. KCP, i.e. Avery Bradley, um, they're, i.e. Rajon Rondo, they're role players who benefit a bit more from playing in front of a home crowd who are more susceptible like a Kyle Kuzma going crazy because he's playing at home, as we saw on a Christmas Day game. Mm -hmm. The chances of that happening is much lower now because they don't have a crowd behind them. It's literally just essentially mano-a-mano basketball. And without a home crowd to back them, you may start to see some um, some cracks in in their armor, especially with the role players. And I'm someone that believes in role players and how important they are towards winning a championship. Um, they a lot of people don't pay attention to them, but they almost always swing series. So with no home crowd for not just the Lakers but any team, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. And that's one of the reasons why I like Clippers in this setting just because they have a bit more role play. They, their role players can do a little more than a Kyle Kuzma or a Rajon Rondo or uh, even an Alex Caruso, even if he were to get time. Um, in comparison to like a Montrezl Harrell off the bench, a Lou Williams off the bench, a Reggie Jackson off the bench, guys who can do more than just one thing and aren't as reliant on the crowd for like superficial additives to their performance that's just my take I, I i don't i don't presume that i'm like 100 percent right on that i just think that role players benefit from the home crowd and with no home crowd the teams who have the most independent good basketball players should win out it's a good point it's a really good point you mentioned how the clippers have a pretty good home court normally and i can attest to that i was there when Austin Rivers went off against the Houston Rockets, and that covers both of your points. That covers having the fan base, helping a role player, and motivating the role player, and cheering him on and giving him that energy he needs. And at the same time, you look and you see the Warriors and the Lakers when they come into Staples, there are a lot of fans on the other team. So I think to your point, you bring up a couple of good points there, and it will be interesting, and I think you're actually right in what you say about the role players and the importance of the Lakers versus the Clippers. Because we've got to remember the Clippers are not a two-man team, despite having Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, while the Lakers are very much a two-man team of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Now, And if you want – oh, sorry. No, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and if you wanted to dig further, they're actually, they are a two-man team with LeBron and AD, but with LeBron James off the floor this year, they are – Kind of, uh, 
then it, the, the the numbers the numbers don't look pretty. So they are very they are very dependent on AD, but they're even more dependent on LeBron James. So. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if we get a fresh LeBron James. That's definitely one thing that I'm sure everyone will be watching right away is to see how LeBron looks after the long layoff because he is not getting any younger, but he is a freak of nature. No doubt about that. Uh, I want to talk about Summer League because you mentioned this is going to be just a supercharged Summer League. Give me, <laughs> give me your thoughts, man. What's it going to be like? What, what do you envision? Um, so, like, with, with that, I... I, I I didn't mean it in a bad way. Like I I didn't mean that um I didn't mean to demean it, demean this this version of the playoffs. I just meant that it's incredibly different from the standard NBA playoffs, obviously, with no home court, with no fans, one central neutral location for everyone. Um it's it it's going it's gonna be incredibly different. Um and it just gave, it just sounds and feels like it's going to be a ton of summer league vibes, except with games that actually matter, which actually can be kind of cool. Because as an NBA junkie, I was the one watching NBA TV, watching ESPN, NBA summer league, sitting there from like 12 noon to like 10:30, 11 o'clock at night, some nights in the summer, just watching games. So I kind of envision how I kind of envision that that's what it's going to be like except with games that matter. So that's actually going to be dope. That's going to be kind of cool. And it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to because, you know, if anybody's sat in and watched a summer league binge, you can kind of appreciate how intimate it is from a basketball perspective. And I hope that translates to the playoffs this year in Orlando. Now, you mentioned the supercharged summer league, and you also mentioned something that, I don't think I've thought of, and that is the possibility of tampering in Orlando with everybody (laughs) being in the same place for several months. Why do you say that? I mean, I know why, but I want to hear you explain your thoughts on it. Yeah, I just, um, I don't think I've heard a lot of talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of weird just because of how close teams are in in a bubble and so i only i almost think it's natural that tampering is going to happen emotions are going to be running high players are going to get upset that they lose they're going to be complaining to each other and it may not be for this free agency class because free agency is going to be short there isn't that many notable free agents this year but you can get the ball rolling in this environment for next free agent class. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if two years from now, one of these guys who are free agents um, signs with another team. And then you think back and it's because of the bubble that they were in, in Orlando and they grew a relationship from here. So I just think that there is a huge possibility and not even a huge possibility. I think it's almost a guarantee that tampering will be involved but you probably won't see the ramifications of it until the 2021 free agency class when everyone is a free agent, including potentially uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Anthony. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. It's going to be a, a star studded free agent class. I mean, I'm still pretty confident that we're going to see a Kawhi and PG 
um, opt in to those extra two years. Oh, I'm even, I'm even more confident on that about that now. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to want to stay local, um, especially with everything going on. It just makes a lot of sense to stay local. But the question is, who can they possibly swing to po- be maybe a third guy? Um, and what happens with Giannis? Because he's talked about maybe staying in Milwaukee, but I know a lot of players are going to try and convince him to do otherwise. So like you said, tampering will definitely be something be in, uh, to watch. And uh, something else you brought up that obviously, it, I mean, everyone's talking about what's going on the last 10 days or so with the route, the protests and all that. And everyone keeps, seems to forget about coronavirus. And so not only are there going to be the coronavirus concerns in Orlando, but you're also going to have something that you mentioned that there could be hurricane season that comes into play as well in Florida. And they talked about how this might actually be one of the worst seasons when it comes to the Caribbean and the East Coast. So we'll see what happens. It, there's a lot that could go wrong, but we're all hoping that it goes a right. Whole lot. Yeah, we, we need it to be right, man. We need there to be basketball. Um, no doubt about that. Now, I want to ask you an important question. The the team that wins the title, is that going to be an asterisk next to the title, <laughs> or is that going to be a legit NBA championship? Are we going to hear from Laker fans if the Clippers win the title that it doesn't really count as a real title? So can I do both? Yes. So that's what I think the answer is. I think the I think it's an obvious asterisk just because we it's not the same season. It's not going to be the standard season. This is not how the NBA plays its playoff games, right? Like there are fans in the stands of playoff games. Um, there's home court in a playoff series, you know. So from that perspective, there's there's this is different. This is different. You have to put one next to this champion. But that doesn't mean it's worse. On the contrary, it could mean that it's better, right? So if you win a championship in these conditions, I think it's different. But I also think it's probably the hardest championship you could ever win because you're doing it with no home court off of a five-month layoff. That's, that's, um, that's a pretty hard thing to do. So I think whoever wins this championship, and hopefully it's the Clippers, they, don't, they, get, they get nothing but respect. That's From a, my perspective. That's the thing, though, man. Exactly. That's the thing. Is is the asterisk next to it because it was harder to win, because it was a special one to win? Because you talk about baseball and the asterisk next to possibly Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, and those guys were allegedly, and some for sure, on steroids. And so that helped them cheat. This is different, wherein this is a different season. There's been four and a half months off. And like you said, it could be harder to win this title than another title because you don't have the role players that get that bump. You don't have the atmosphere that you get in a normal NBA stadium. You don't get teams having that home court advantage and being able to sleep at their own homes before in a four game or in a seven game series. It's completely different. So I think this actually may be a harder title to win, even though it's technically a shorter season, it's just one long season, then cut in half, and you eat about three quarters of the sandwich, and then you have the quarter of the sandwich that has all the Nutella and the peanut butter on it, and you want to crush it <laughs> because it's delicious. That's the way I look at it, man. Yeah, I, you know, you, you're 100% right. Like, these players are going to be, the players who play in the finals are going to be in a quarantine bubble for like two 
for three months, man. That's that is tough. That's tough shit, man. Yeah, that's so, that's mentally I, really difficult. I I can't I can't imagine I can't imagine anyone disrespecting this champion. If they do, then it's just honestly. It, I saw this I saw this on Twitter, and I do agree with it that depending on who wins it, they're gonna put that by it. If LeBron wins it, they'll be like, "Oh, the fourth ring better than Michael Jordan." Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> and um, if 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 Kawhi wins it, Laker fans will say, "Ah, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's not. It's an asterisk by it." So, you know, you take what it is. But from my perspective, whoever wins it, whether it's the Clippers or not, you get all the respect because these are some. You're you're you had to fight a pandemic, public protest, and hurricanes to win a championship. So, you you're good in my book. Dude, if there's going to be a year where the Clippers win the title, this has to be it. Just with the whole Clippers curse and what has gone on with this franchise, the the one year where this team wins the title would be one where it gives other teams a chance to say that this actually isn't a real title. You know that's going to happen, right? Yes, yes, yes. And of all the titles, like the Clippers have their best chance ever to win a championship. And just like this cursed franchise is, yep. <laughs> they go they they get caught up in the middle of a pandemic right when they have their best shot ever at winning a championship. Oh my uh, goodness! Just the way life goes, man. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming that you want to see the Clippers get the two seed, face off uh, against whoever that seven is, whether it be Dallas or someone else, and then take on a team like Denver in the second round, then get the Lakers and then the Bucks if that's gonna be their path. I'm assuming that's the ideal path in your eyes. Oh, that's a. Honestly, that's the that's more than that would be. I can't even begin to tell you how great of a draw that would be. They were so good against um, the Dallas Mavericks this year. I'm kind of hoping that it stays this way. Dallas has um, kind of one elite play playmaker, which falls right into the Clippers' hands with their bevy of long, talented wings. And they were really good against the Dallas Mavericks this year. So I mean that. And then if you get past, if and when you get past them, you have to play either the Rockets or the Nuggets, two teams who they spanked right before Corona hit. And then you have the Lakers. So yeah, yeah, this would be ideal for me. Now my final question for you before I let you go is: This going to be the final year of at LA Clippers film? Are we going to have? an at Trey Young film next year. Are you going to be leaving us for the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, I'm glad you asked me that so I can go on this Trey Young binge right now. Um, listen, listen, part of it is because, I don't know, man, this dude is 21 years old, averaging 30 and 10. Yeah. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because he's compared to Luka Doncic. I'm a, he's probably my favorite player in the NBA not even probably he's my favorite player in the NBA and I'm thinking of making a a Twitter account devoted strictly to him we'll see we'll see what happens with that but uh oh, no, we're gonna keep this we're gonna keep this Clipper film thing rocking for a while hopefully when I get some more time I can expand it and uh make it a little bit more more uh, more deeper with a bit more depth than just a Twitter account right now I just do it you know, when I can, yeah. but, um, it's definitely been a great resource, a great connecting resource. And minus the Trey Young stuff, it's almost exclusively Clipper century. But I mean, come on. Like I, I see some of the disrespect with my boy Trey Young, man. And 
It's like, it's not right. He was an all-star by year two, man. The sky's the limit for him. Dude, it's really a thing where everyone forgets how good a guy was in college. And don't forget that every single time he played on ESPN for Oklahoma, he was going off every single game. And then he gets to the NBA and people are forgetting how good he was. So so I'm with you there. He's a talented player. No doubt about that. We'll see what happens. But hey, listen, go- to this. listen to this. Listen yeah, to this. I'm listening. He averaged 40 a game in high school. Yeah. That's he good. goes to Division One, and as an 18, 19-year-old, leads the nation in scoring and assists. Yeah. He goes to the NBA and is an all-star by year two, averaging 30 and 10. Yeah, talent he carries. A, he's a prodigy. Yeah, talent carries. There's no doubt about that. A guy st- if a guy's good, he's probably going to be good if you continue – to go up the ranks. So uh, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, but you're, the Hawks got something there too. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Atlanta makes a move. I know you were tweeting about it, that Atlanta could be in the market for uh, adding somebody else. I, I mean, they have Clint Capella. They've got Trey Young. Yeah. May, we'll see. Uh, they've got John Collins. We'll see who else they maybe add around those guys. But we're focused on the Clippers. Hopefully can get you on uh, throughout the next couple of months as we get ready for the playoffs and then hopefully the NBA title. Yeah. Um, it, we need to do something weekly for the once the playoffs start, man. I, I'm I'm down. If you want to come on, I'm down to have you on every single week. If you want to come on and we want to chat, because I gotta tell you, man, I got furloughed, so I'm home. I got nothing else better to do with my life, so I'm happy. As long as we, uh, <laughs> as, if I'm not working, I'm happy to be doing a podcast with you whenever you want. So uh, we can talk Clippers basketball and break things down. But it was awesome to have you back, man. Um, a very important conversation that we had to start the podcast, but obviously great to end the podcast with the Clippers and Trey Young, just the way it should be with the NBA officially being back. So, Justin, glad to have you on. I know people can find you at LA Clippers Film on Twitter. You're on Instagram as well. What is that handle again? Uh, Justin Wilson underscore my name. There you go. Cool. And anything else you want to promote? Um, no, just that um, – as much as I love basketball, there there's much more important things going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And this was just a chance for myself and anybody else who listens to get an outlet for like a half an hour or so. Um, I understand that this, this is just minuscule in comparison to what's actually going on right now. And if you and I were able to give people any sort of an escape, I'm happy about that. And hopefully moving forward as we head into the playoffs, we can continue to do that for people. And, uh, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Amen to that. And that is how we are going to end this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. Of course, hoop-ball.com is where you can find the website for HoopBall. You can follow at HoopBall Clips. But like Justin said, Black Lives Matter. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.